Welcome to the Abundant Wellness with Andrea podcast from surviving to thriving in mind, body, and spirit. Hey there, I'm Andrea Jones, registered nurse, functional hormone coach, inner healing and deliverance pastor, and most importantly, wife and mother of two beautiful girls. This podcast is really a conversation about how to discover and walk in an abundant life that God has laid out for us while processing what I call the messy middle, pain and overcoming things in our life that are hard in order to nurture all of the parts of you so that you can walk in abundant wellness in all areas. Hello, everybody. So I have the immense privilege of having Erin Carey here. She's a certified integrative nutrition health coach. I had to practice that like three or four times to make sure I got it right. And um, she's here today to share with us about mental health. And you know, from listening to my podcast, that mental health, emotional well-being, spiritual well-being is what I'm all about. And we can't really talk about that without addressing um, the aspect of mental health. And today we're going to be talking about it a little bit more from, you know, how does faith play a role in our mental health? Um, not just our physical, like physiology, um, but also our belief system and how that can actually, um, both help and hinder us. So Aaron, I just want to welcome you today. I'm so looking forward to this conversation. And I know that um, everybody who's listening is going to benefit from this as well. So why don't you share a little bit about who you are, what you do, who you help, and maybe a little bit about what led you to this point? Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be on the show. It's fun to be on the um, the interviewee end, yes. not being the interviewer, um, yes. but I can be long-winded. So I'm going That's to okay. really try to break it down as much as I can and give you only you know the need to know. So why do I do what I do? Well, first of all, I am an integrative nutrition health coach because I taught middle school for a really long time because I cared about kids' mental health, then realized that adults are suffering at, at an incredible rate and don't know how to manage their stress and don't know how to just make basic lifestyle changes. And nobody knows about the gut brain connection or gut health or how to improve those things. And I thought, well, gosh, I, I could tell people about this. I, I, I consider myself a bit of an evangelist at heart, yes. <laughs> especially when there's something that I care about, I yes. want to share, share with the world. Yep. So learning about stress management, gut health, holistic health completely changed my life. And I knew that I had to share that with everybody else. So that's where I, I really had a career change from middle school teacher to integrative nutrition health coach. But if I take it back even further, I am interested in mental health because I'm a survivor. And by the time I was 18, I was diagnosed with PTSD, depression, bipolar disorder. They gave me all the diagnoses and even deeper than that, I had a really wacky immune system. Mm. I struggled with all kinds of challenges from, I mean, my earliest memories onward. My mom told me recently, I didn't know this. I knew I had a really traumatizing memory of being held down as a, mm. a toddler infant. I'm not quite sure even what age it was, but she told me that my lungs were collapsed 75%. And yeah, she was pregnant with my brother and sister, they're twins clearly. And she took me in and I wasn't breathing and they were shooting me up with, you know, I guess it was like epinephrine and things just to get me 
going wow. again. And so I had medical trauma at it. Now this is mm-hmm. much needed trauma. I mean, much needed right. treatment, sorry, not trauma, yes. but it, it <laughs> manifested as a trauma for me because it was so right. scary. And so there's some trauma there that I didn't even realize I was holding on to until recently. There's, I witnessed the death of my grandpa in my front yard from anaphylactic shock when I was nine and I felt extremely helpless. I dissociated completely and I was living with PTSD symptoms for years and years until they manifested in depression that I also believe was, you know, I was kind of catapulted into depression when I was put on the birth control pill in eighth grade mm-hmm. to regulate my periods like yep. they do and did. Everybody. And yep. yeah. And so then I was put on the antidepressants. Well, the antidepressants mm-hmm. shot me up too high because I have a family history of bipolar disorder and you're not supposed right. to give SSRIs to anybody with a family history of bipolar disorder. So then right. I was given the diagnosis of manic depressive illness. And so that's really my journey in a nutshell. I ended up finding myself pregnant in college. That was a beautiful um, act of redemption and grace. Mm -hmm. And it was a complete turnaround for me mentally where I really started to go, okay, I need to manage some things in my lifestyle because now I'm a parent. And so I became a parent early on, started looking into things like exercise, food, you know, all of the, all the things that really were not told about, or we don't care about when we're young. But for me, I was like, I'm a mom now I need to take care of myself. Um, then I learned about gut health, gut brain connection, and I have been off of all medication for, it'll be eight years in December, which is very strange. I was medicated for 18 years for all manner of things. Um, I need to also factor in that my, my dad was a pastor all while I was growing up. And so it was very shameful to, Mm -hmm. to be diagnosed with um, mental health issues at all. I thought, you know, you just pray them away. That's that's what you got to do. And if I can't pray them away, then I must be a bad Christian. So there's a lot going on there. Um, And that's why, so that's why I care about mental health. There are Mm -hmm. so many stigmas upon stigmas wrapped up in other stigmas and shame and it becomes our identity. And so what I do now is I really, truly care about, I, I don't want anyone to be limited by label or a diagnosis, whether it's an autoimmune diagnosis or a mental health diagnosis or whatever it is. We, we all have labels that we've either put upon ourselves or other people have put upon us and they're limiting and we feel stuck and we feel broken and we don't have to stay that way. There's so much hope. Um, so yes, so my story, my background is really, I I say my, my passion comes from my pain and what I've been through. And so now I, I just, I want to share this message of hope with the world. Absolutely. And I, I just, I love that because I very, very similar, but different in some aspects, um, story. And that's one of the things that we want to talk today about is actually, you know, how does walking through that impact your faith and how does your faith impact how we walk through that? And I think you kind of touched on some of the damaging belief systems, um, that I know that I believed, you know, which was that if I just pray, my obsessive compulsive disorder will go away. And I do believe that there are spiritual elements to all diseases, right? Just like there can be physical and physiologic elements to all diseases. And it really does take a trained person to be able to like peel apart, right? Which issue are we dealing with right now? Um, and so tell me a little bit, you know, growing up as a pastor's kid, um, I grew up in the church. My, my parents were not pastors, but we were always kind of involved in some ministry, um, here or there. 
Um, how did, you know, being raised in a church, being a pastor's kid impact your, uh, how you went through that process? Because you, you kind of touched a little bit on some of the things that you believed um, during that time. And then were they helpful beliefs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, so it's one thing to be a pastor's kid. It's another thing to be an overachieving pastor's kid yes. <laughs> and a firstborn. Oh, and gosh. so, you know, it's yeah. funny if you had this conversation with my younger brother and sister, they'd be like, oh, it's fine. Like we didn't, didn't feel any pressure. didn't, because right. that's just not who they are. <laughs> so I think yep. my personality combined with, you know, watching, I, I remember at a very young age, seeing my dad up on stage and going, wow, he's important. Wow. Wait, so what does that mean for me? I better, I better act right. And I don't think anybody ever pressured that on me except for myself. That's just who I am. That's just how I, how I was born was just to be an overachiever, um, to, to an extreme at times, you know, and to go and do until I crash. So that, that aspect of it was difficult. I think, you know, my parents tried as much as they could, but I think it was, other people, you know, saying things like, Oh, Oh, you're Gary's daughter. You know, I didn't have an Mm -hmm. identity of my own. I was Gary's daughter. (laughs) So, Oh, you're Gary's daughter. I love your dad. I just love your dad. And that was hard too. Cause I'm like, well, I don't really love my dad all that much all the time, you know, because as, as a kid, you know, we always have things about our parents. We don't like, and there are a thousand things that even as a parent myself, I know I don't do in the best way. And I, (laughs) my kids will be in therapy at some point for something I said or did. Um, but I, I just remember all these people idolized my dad and I'm thinking, well, gosh, he, I I think he spends more time with these people than with us. Or I think all of his energy went to this, again, guilty of that myself. I, I have inherited that trait and, and I just didn't, I didn't get it. And so that was, so when I started struggling with extreme emotions, you know, another factor of that is that my mom, she struggled with depression and anxiety um, mm-hmm. after, I mean, for all, all sorts of reasons, I think probably there was some postpartum, some isolation after she had me and my brother and sister right. three kids under two, I witnessed that in her. And yeah. I saw early on that my dad didn't really understand these extreme emo- emotions. And so, uh, well, maybe, maybe he's not the person I share all my emotions with unless they explode like a volcano. Right. And so, so that was hard too. So I knew my dad had this really important role and he's this, and he is, he's a great guy. Love my dad. We're celebrating his 70th birthday next week. And so I, I have a good relationship with him, yeah. but there was such a disconnect between my dad and the role he was in and who I was supposed to be and how I yeah. was supposed to show up in the world. So when I had some emotions that were maybe more extreme than other people, cause I saw, you know, that was, my parents would say that they saw even a little bit of bipolar disorder symptoms early, early on that right. I would, I would have some extremes. I would have extreme fits or I would go into kind of a depressive state reading in my room, isolated. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, that's just how I've always been. And so, yeah. So as far as the church's role in that, like I I played the part that I Mm -hmm. thought I was supposed to play. And so when I did start struggling, I knew, wait, that's not, that's not the part I'm supposed to play. Right. (laughs) I'm not supposed to have this extreme, deep sadness. And, And I would read the Psalms and go, okay, I think David gets it. (laughs) I think that he was depressed just from the language. I think this makes sense, but I don't know how to snap out of this and I don't know what to do to get help. And my parents reached out to professionals and got help for me, but there was still like this taboo, like, don't talk about it. People Mm -hmm. would ask, you know, how's your family doing? How's everybody doing? And it's, they wanted to be open and transparent about things to show that, oh, we're just like everybody else. We have the same issues everybody else has, but 
in doing that, it did leave me a little bit vulnerable in, in realizing, oh, people know that I'm struggling. A lot of right. people know that I'm struggling. That's mm-hmm. hard. So I think I, I took, because I'm an overachiever, I took this one, I, you know, these symptoms I was experiencing due to all sorts of physiological and emotional um, imbalances. I took that to mean that I was deficient in a way, and there's something right. wrong with me and something wrong with me as a Christian as well. So I don't know if I, I, I there's a second part to your question I wanted to answer. And I kind of, no, this is really direction. good. No, this is really good because I think you just kind of landed there, which is there's something wrong with me as a Christian for struggling when yes. really nobody is immune from struggle right? It's just, how does that struggle express itself and what do we need to do to fix it? And it sounds like that kind of the feeling of shame or like, oh, this is something we can't talk about. And I I know this to be true for myself, but also for other people that I talk to, it actually prevents them from reaching out to Mm, get help from God given resources. So like really trained and equipped therapists, counselors, physicians who know how to look at something, you know, from a holistic perspective, um, would you say that that was, you know, it sounds like your parents did reach out, but for you, that that was like a hurdle you had to kind of get over. And how do you navigate that as a young person? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I think while we did reach out and we got, this is in the nineties, the mid to late nineties. And there were tons of resources at that point just not everybody was talking about them, you know, right. and not everybody, not to the extent that it's, it, we've seen a shift now. So now where we are is like, everybody's like, well, get medicated. That's your only option. Back right. then it was like, Ooh, well, there, there are medications that can help, but right. let's, you know, so it's, it's different. There's been, and that's a whole other, there's a whole other stigma that falls into yeah. our modern day that we could talk about the whole stigma of not being on medication. That's another yep. thing and looking for alternative treatments. But um, yeah, I think he, for me, the cool thing to me as a teenager about being on medication is I could just take this little pill and forget about it. Mm -hmm. I still struggled when Mm -hmm. I was on my SSRI. I still struggled. I remember a really bad episode. I had my sophomore year of high school. I don't know. I still don't remember, you know, the exact timeline. I'd have to look through old journals because I have this all written out. Um, I, I wonder if you know how there's a, now we know there's a black box warning on SSRIs for teens because it does increase risk of suicidality, irritability, aggression, all of that. So we have the data about that. Now I wasn't warned about that. My parents weren't warned about that. It was just, you take this pill, you're going to get better. And I had a really extreme episode of depression and cutting self self harm that I was not a self harm kid at all. Right. But, um, that happened. And I think it was shortly after I was put on the medication, then things kind of leveled out and things were okay for a little while enough for me to ignore it. I wanted to just ignore and suppress. Um, and I thought the medication was the answer to that. And I think a lot of Christians and even the way that we talk about, you know, this might be jumping ahead, but the way we talk about mental health in the church now, this is what I hear people say. I hear people say, you know, well, we know when they'll talk about depression, anxiety, they'll say, well, we know it's not all a spiritual issue. There are definitely chemical imbalances. That's what they'll Mm -hmm. say. I've seen, I've heard this so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, very well-known speakers. We Mm -hmm. know there are chemical imbalances and that's where, you know, you go see your doctor and there are all amazing medications and treatments available for you. And that's all they say. Mm -hmm. Well, 
what if it's not? I mean, we also have data. It's not a chemical imbalance. The chemical right. imbalance theory has never been proven. It's still just a theory. So we, right. we hear the, the notion that, okay, well, maybe it's a spiritual struggle. Right. And, and then you, you know, let's work on your thoughts and renewing your mind with truth and all that. And that's all really good. Well, maybe it's a physical struggle. Well, mm-hmm. still the only option is, is me- medication that may increase chances of risk of suicide and anxiety, depression, right. all of that, but it's still our only option. And so, Hey, aren't we glad that we have that available? Aren't we glad yeah. that God gave us, you know, <laughs> right. the, the companies that put out these medications? Like, I, I just think that there's so much messy middle in between mm-hmm. there. Yes. I, I know too many people that do not do well with medication. I know right. too many people that medication is not going to take away the trauma that you are storing in your body, you know? Um, right. So I I think the conversation has gone from the extreme of don't talk about it to now we're talking about it, but we present it as if medication is this one size fits all end all be all, even from the church standpoint. And that's not the case. So, yeah, no, I fully agree with you on this. And I think, I think it's, you know, I think people are well-meaning, you know, they, but it's just that there is this gap in, in their ability to be able to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is it is hard to listen to somebody struggling and because our automatic is, I want to help you. I want to fix it, especially in the church realm, because that's kind of what our roles are like in Mm -hmm. the world of ministry, right? Mm -hmm. We want to fix it. We want to help people, but what if helping them is sitting with them and saying, tell me more about how this is impacting you. And like, I'm just thinking of myself as, you know, a 13 year old girl who was diagnosed with pretty rapid onset obsessive compulsive disorder that now looking back, I wonder if it wasn't like latent pandas, um, Mm, because I had chronic, chronic strep. I just Uh wonder, I'll never know. And it doesn't really matter, but, um, I'm just thinking of how that would have changed my experience because, I lost all of my friends in junior high because they didn't know how to help me. Like they didn't know how to be friends with me. My obsessions were like overtaking my life. Right. And, um, and I think part of it is just as believers, it's almost like we feel like we're not doing God's work. If there's not an instant miracle, right. Or instant Mm. help or instant fix. And this is maybe not true for everybody, but I just kind of observations that I have and keep in mind, I run our inner healing and deliverance department. So (laughs) (laughs) if anybody hears it all, it's me. Um, But the one thing that I am adamant about in the work that I do, um, whether it's inner healing or hormones or whatever, is that we're accurately assessing where people are at. And part of accurately assessing is sitting and listening. And do you know what I'm saying? Instead of making judgments or saying like, oh, you just need to pray more, take your thoughts captive. Or that's one that I still hear people Mm -hmm. say Mm -hmm. a lot. And yes, that is biblically, foundationally, principally true. And we know scientifically now that that is proven to be true. (laughs) However, if we don't also pair that with addressing physiology, we're missing out on part of God's design for healing. And so Um, do you, um, we're probably going to run over today and that's okay. Um, what were some, just, just because I know this episode is not meant to shame anybody. Like when we're talking about a gap that there is in the faith community, it's so that we can fill that gap better, right? It's not to point out the gap and just mock it or whatever, criticize it. What are some things that people say that, that you would say, 
are damaging. Hmm. They're probably well-meaning, but they end up kind of pushing people into a corner or isolating. You know, I've, I've, I've heard somebody, this is, I heard this secondhand now. So things could have been taken, you know, right out of mm-hmm. context or different, but I've heard somebody mentioned they were struggling. They're looking for different treatments. Um, and this person, there are medications for that. That was a quick, this is in a church, small group, mm-hmm. there are medications for that. Like, just don't, don't look into any other options. Right. Just, there are medications for that. Um, I think I've heard, you know, there's definitely the, well, be anxious for nothing, you know, mm-hmm. memorize these verses. Um, I, I hear chemical imbalance thrown around a lot in the mm-hmm. church, which I think is a little bit dangerous. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard that from the, from the pulpit, mm-hmm. I've heard pastors saying, well, we do know there are chemical imbalances. And I always want to raise my hand and go, no, yeah. no it's not all it is. <laughs> I know. That's, yeah. that's what the pharmaceutical companies created yes. so that you could buy their drugs. And this is, this is true. Look into, if anybody's questioning about this, um, Kelly Brogan, a mind of your own, she has a book and she, yes. the first half of her book is really about mm-hmm. pharmaceutical marketing, um, and what we know about this actual chemical imbalance. So I've heard yep. that, um, I've, I've, and I've heard that. Yeah. I mean, if you just take captive your thoughts, if you mm-hmm. just hold on to the truth, if you put enough Bible verses around your house, um, I mean, there's, I, I've even heard, gosh, I was in a mom's group and they brought in some therapists to talk about postpartum depression and postpartum mm-hmm. anxiety. And the only, and these are therapists, these aren't even medical, this, these weren't psychiatrists, but the only resources they offered were to go see a psychiatrist and go Mm. see a doctor about medication. Yeah. When there are a lot of other things going on in a postpartum body, as you know, Oh yeah. Yep. (laughs) Um, A lot of other physiological shifts that occur that don't just, and and I want to make sure listeners understand I'm not, like I said, I was medicated for 18 years. I'm not anti-med, but when we're talking about SSRI, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, those are addressing serotonin. We are assuming that you have a serotonin deficiency at the brain level. So mm-hmm. the best we can do is keep it in your synapses longer. Yep. That's it. This isn't talking about the serotonin that your body makes, whether it is producing serotonin or not producing serotonin. This is just right. talking about let's adjust the brain and keep it in your brain longer. Not yep. everybody has a serotonin deficiency. Right. Not everybody who's depressed has a serotonin deficiency. Mm-hmm. There could be thyroid, vitamin D, hormonal imbalances, progesterone issues. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are so many different things that can be causing feelings of depression or anxiety. So just fixing it with a little excess serotonin in the brain might not help everybody. And and that's why we do have a lot. There's a silent epidemic right now of people who can't get off their medication or people that just respond poorly to everything. And so I think that we just have to be so careful when we talk about meds. So, yeah, so I've heard the two extremes, but nothing else I've heard either, you know, go see your doctor, chemical imbalance, or I've heard, you know, pray more and, you know, read your Bible more. Have you gotten into this Bible study? Have you, and right. That's tricky because both can be good, right? Right. Like medication can be in the short term as they're intended. They can be helpful for some people. Right. Same thing. I mean, I would say prayer and reading your Bible is helpful for all people all the time in all cases. Um, but it's also, you know, we want to look at those other physiological, you know, root cause factors. Right. Well, and I think 
too, at least in my experience, you know, when I had, I had postpartum depression with my first, that was pretty severe postpartum anxiety and depression and a whole other like periphery of symptoms that were totally ignored and just kind of slapped on, Oh, it's just postpartum depression. And I remember, you know, at my sickest, somebody telling me, you just need to worship more. And I'm like, how am I supposed to worship when I'm having panic attacks and throwing up at six o'clock every single morning before I even get out of bed? It's not like I had a thought in my head that made me anxious. It was purely physiological. And I remember, like you said, there is that there is biblical truth to that. Right. But then we also have to consider like, how are we making people feel and what is the impression that we're giving them. And so my impression was that I just needed to try harder. And there was something wrong with me that God wasn't listening to me. And so that further, not only was I kind of isolated from myself, because when you're depressed and you're anxious, you don't feel integrated. Like Mm -hmm. you are integrated. I'm not saying you're dissociated from yourself or anything like that, but you don't feel like yourself. Right. So you already feel like less than you. And then you have this belief system that there must be something inherently wrong with me because I'm praying and nothing's happening. Mm -hmm. And when, for me, what catalyzed my healing was when I took God at his word and said, you know what, God, you said, you want me to be healthy. So I'm going to pursue my health. And I'm going to go after it and I'm going to find somebody who's going to listen to me. And so that to me is that partnership with the Holy Spirit where, where I'm not just sitting on my booty waiting for God to hand deliver me this thing, which Mm -hmm. he does do sometimes. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But where I was actually saying, you know what, God, I know you want me to be well. And so, because I have that belief system that you want me to be well, that means I have permission to pursue it. And I think that ultimately is what kind of got me out of the trenches, but it was not helpful. Like in the moment to hear that, what I needed was, can I bring you breakfast? What can I do to help you? Do you need to go to therapy? Like what, do you know what I mean? Like some more Mm -hmm. compassionate, empathetic, um, statements because I was already struggling with that fear that I was somehow disconnected from God because of what I was experiencing. And I, I would say that at least what I hear a lot from other people is that is what it feels like to them because they already feel Mm -hmm. disconnected because they're just depressed and anxious or suicidal or having, you know, other severe psychiatric symptoms. And when you're, you're quote unquote, not in your right mind, you don't feel connected to Mm -hmm. the one who created you. Um, and that in itself can be tormenting. And so I think as believers, we have to grow in our capacity to be able to have these conversations with, you know, with some grace attached to it, um, instead of just, you know, and I'm, I'm not assuming that everybody's just trying to get out of the conversation, but instead of running from our own discomfort that can sometimes happen. Well, and you know, and you mentioned something and I, I think that there's a natural design, right? We were created on purpose for a purpose. And I think sometimes, we go so far against the natural design that there are natural consequences. Now yes. I am not in any way, shape or form saying that anxiety, depression, and mental, having a mental illness, mental health issues is, you know, a punishment. Right. I'm just saying we live in a society where we are set up to run ourselves ragged. Yep. We don't make space for rest where we don't make space for whole food nutrition, where we live off of caffeine and 
wine and all of these things that hijack our neurotransmitters on purpose and the processed foods that have been created Mm -hmm. to alter our brain chemistry. And so I think that we have to, if we're going to have this conversation about mental health, we, we, we do need to talk about what does it look like? Does it look like at church having donuts on a Sunday morning out for all the little kids to go, can I have one? Can I have one? Can I have one? You know, all these things that we just accept as the norm. I mean, I was at a church recently and they had a whole, um, it was a, oh my gosh, like a, a soda dispenser. Uh, uh, you know, we all, we call them all Coke here, but, yeah. um, <laughs> It, it had a Sprite, Coke, Dr. Pepper. It was just, oh, and, and all the diet drinks, which we know amp up so anxiety yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. We know what that's doing, but that we make so many things acceptable, but these things are altering our brain function. Right. And we have our, you know, donuts and coffee on Sundays. And then we have our church potlucks where, and I, I'm not demonizing any of that because we have to have community. We have yeah. to have togetherness. Um, but I think that there there are natural, just like with any other illness that, that somebody is struggling with, we look at, okay, what's the root cause and what can we do to restore healing in that body? Yeah. People who are stressed out ministry leaders who are burned out. And that's a Mm -hmm. huge epidemic right now Mm -hmm. too. ministry leaders who are totally burned out and isolated. They don't Mm -hmm. have community because who can they go to, to share their struggles with when they're supposed to be helping everybody else. They're not making space for rest. Nobody, nobody takes intentional. I mean, some, some churches do fasting and praying and um, meditating like true meditation on God's word that Right. Feels so Eastern and woo woo, but yeah. it's in the Bible. The Bible's yeah. Eastern. I mean, you know, if you think about yeah. it, so I don't know. I mean, there's just a lot of things that we in, in that messy middle that we forget to factor in is that we have been designed three in one. Like you said, we're integrated. It doesn't feel that way when yeah. you're in it and your brain is off. It's, it's, and, and that's where we we're too reactionary as a church mm-hmm. with mental health. Yeah. I think uh, when we, we find people when they're at rock bottom, it's mm-hmm. really, hard to pull yourself up out of rock bottom totally. just mental, medical intervention. And that's it, you yep. know? And so, but what are we doing to provide for a healing environment for people along the way? Are we overworking them with ministry? Are they over serving? Mm. So they have nothing to wow. give their own children. Yeah. Are they, are they over overeating because yeah. on, they're exhausted and mm-hmm. they need to find a serotonin dopamine boost through food? You yeah. know, we normalize that too. So, you know, there's yeah. just a lot going on that we're so reactionary and we're not actually getting to the, okay, how, how can we create a healthy environment for, right. for our people? Absolutely. No, I think you nailed it with that. And, you know, it, it's kind of comes down to that. If we want to resolve the problem, we can't be part of the problem. And so then what does it look like to not be part of the problem, right? Or contributing in, in a negative way that doesn't allow people to get the help that they need. And so one of the things I do want to talk about, because I know you have been nerding out on this and I have loved hearing you talk about it, is what is the kind of scientific perspective on renewing our mind and taking our thoughts captive? And how does that actually change our physiology? Yeah, this is so fascinating. I think that, um, it's crazy that I think, I mean, we don't need the science to prove what the Bible already told us is true, right? Right. Yeah. (laughs) But we have it, but we have the science. We know that every thought we think is a chemical messenger to the rest of our body and our thoughts form neuropeptides that then inform our hormones and our gut bacteria. And, you know, we know with the gut brain connection that for every two thoughts, we think that send a message to our gut. Our gut is also sending 
messages back. And, and 80% of those are gut to brain, not necessarily brain to gut. So right. we have our, if our thoughts are constantly toxic, it's going to put our body in a further state of fight or flight, you know, of stress, and right. that's going to inform our gut, our lungs, our digestion, our blood vessels, our hormones, our reproductive system, right. it's going to cause alterations. And then that in distress is going to send messages back up to our brain. And so I want to read this quote that I've just been digging into recently from Bruce Lipton. He wrote a book called the biology of belief, and this is not a new book. This is an older book. It's really just the basis for epigenetics, which is your genes load the gun, your environment pulls the trigger. And he says in this quote, the research has confirmed that brain cells translate the mind's perceptions or beliefs of the world into complementary and unique chemical profiles that when secreted into the blood control the fate of the body's 50 trillion cells. When we change the way we perceive the world, when we change our beliefs, we change the blood's neurochemical composition which then initiates a complementary change in the body's cells. So this is currently what we know. And of course there's plenty Mm -hmm. we don't know, right? There's always going to be more that we don't know, especially when we're talking about the brain, but huge, every thought you think Mm -hmm. is going to send a message to the rest of your body. And that's, you know, I I have this saying with clients, a body and stress won't digest. I, I love talking about nutrition. I think that food can be so healing and when we're eating, no matter what we're eating, even we're eating the most, you know, whole 30 approved meal in the world. If we right. are stuck, we're not going to digest it. Absolutely. And yep. That that's how we've been designed. And that's, you know, we have been designed so intricate, intricately and creatively on purpose so that we can do all of the things that God has created us to do. Absolutely. And we mess it up. I mean, it, you know, this is such a human thing, right? We mess it up. I think we're not enough. I'm mm-hmm. not doing enough. So I need to do more. So then I've got all these stress yes. thoughts that are sending the signals to the rest of my body. Mm-hmm. And now I have IBS because I'm so anxious because I'm f- afraid I'm not going to do it enough or well enough yeah. or good enough or Christian enough or whatever it is. Or we have trauma, right? We have trauma that keeps mm-hmm. our body, maybe not in fight or flight. Maybe we're in freeze mode. I think for a lot yep. of my life, I was in freeze mode. I have a very mm-hmm. low resting heart rate, very low body temperature. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> wow. My low resting heart rate. This is so great. I must. Just, yeah. So or is it? Or is it though? <laughs> or as yeah. my body just totally shut down, depleted of energy because yeah. it's trying to keep me alive because there's a plan for my life. And Mm -hmm. so God has created our bodies to shut down if we're too stressed out and to alter every single organs function and cellular function, right? Because we've got a job to do. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's very gracious on his part that he has designed us to withstand the toxic load of our world. And by toxic, I mean, you know, emotionally right. <laughs> or physically, we live in a very toxic world on both levels. Right. Um, the fact that we're all still standing with 5G everywhere is just amazing. Just thinking about what, um, what that does, if you read biology of belief, what, how our cells respond to change. Right in energy frequencies in our environment. Right. That's a fascinating concept too. Um, not to get all on people. I'm going to no. have all sorts of people complaining, but um, frequency no. is measurable though. So it that is, is a scientifically that's, measurable. It is. Force. That's how yeah. we know if somebody has cancer, you know, mm-hmm. and we talk about frequency and energy vibrations as if it's a woo woo thing, but you get an MRI. What are they measuring? Mm-hmm. What are they looking at? And you trust frequency. That. So yep. yeah. So we are all our cells are designed to respond in the cell membrane. The outer layer of the cell is very sensitive and it is designed to respond to our environment, 
period. Yep. So what kind of an environment are we creating for ourselves? Exactly. If we're stuck in a toxic thought dump, we are creating a very negative environment for ourselves. If we Absolutely. are eating donuts all day because it feels good. And I have been there. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, it does totally feel in the moment, <laughs> but what, what is that telling ourselves? Right. You know, what kind of, how, how are our cells going to respond? So anyway, I just, there's, there's so a good. lot there. Yeah. That I think we're going to have to do a whole other episode on the epigenetic piece just <laughs> right. because it's so, it's so fascinating. Um, and it, but also empowering at the same time. And to me, it comes back to that, you know, that God has given us dominion and what are we going to do with it? And so, so I have loved this conversation. (laughs) I love that, you know, that you've been willing to kind of share just a peek into your own history, um, but also your story of overcoming and that there are so many tools and resources that are available to us. And as believers that, you know, we are called to walk in abundant wellness, that abundant life mm-hmm. that God has for us. And there are practitioners just like you who have that, you know, the, not only the scientific background, the training, the education, but also the heart to actually lead people through. And so if you enjoyed today's episode, which I can't imagine you wouldn't, then please go follow Erin um, on Instagram at sparking wholeness. Um, you can follow her there and I will leave some of her other information on how to, how to find her work with her. If you are struggling um, in the realm of mental health and you're wanting a holistic approach, she is your person. So thank you, Erin, for sharing your story today. I know that we will have you on again to share even more. This was was wonderful. And I just want to thank you so much for your time today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This is, this is a fun one. <laughs>